0: This is the scene today at L.A. Live. It is Pac-12 media day. The conference of champions. Trying to answer the question of what's the future going to look like. For now it's 12 coaches. Some supremely talented players. Everybody ready to play a wildly intriguing season. Superstar transfers headline grabbing coaches. Unpredictable rocky road of conference realignment. Oh it is the dynamic talking season.
1: Will this be the year the Pac 12 Conference returns to national prominence? This is going to be the knockout of, of the Game
0: over. Oregon has defeated Ohio State
2: 35 to 28. Goosebumps. Move they've done the Olympics here, right? Jackson, it's one of the best catches you'll ever see. Was right Chased by
3: Gabe Reed, throws and it is incomplete. Out of bounds, Stanford is knocked off number three. Oregon, how am I gonna celebrate? I'll celebrate with these guys
4: about the middle into the end zone. Easy touchdown run, and the route continues for the Utah Utes in Las Vegas.
0: We welcome you to L.A. in a special one-hour Pac-12 edition of College Football Live. Joe Tessitore alongside the once menacing linebacker turned TV nice guy, Sam Acho. Good to be with you, Sam. And the guy that some years ago was a lockdown corner in this Pac-12. But, Rod Gilmore, you Ooh. have covered this league now longer oh. than I believe any ESPN college football analyst. That was your first year at ESPN? Ooh. 96. So you've seen everything in the Pac-12, except for what we're seeing now,
2: because things are getting crazy. (laughs)
0: Let's get to the storylines in the Pac-12. Rod's seen nothing like this. Nobody has. Back in May, the conference announced that the championship game will now feature the top two teams in the conference by win percentage instead of the top two teams in each division. Hey, that's a good thing. I like that. And the Utes are favored to repeat as conference champs, thanks to an offense led by the returning star quarterback Cam Rising had the best total QBR in the Pac-12 a season ago. But then the headline, the changes are coming. USC, UCLA, they're going to leave for the Big Ten by 2024. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klayovkov earlier today on the State of the Conference.
5: As a conference, we are, of course, very disappointed by the decisions by USC and UCLA to leave the Pac-12 and a century of tradition and rivalries after 2024. When I look at what is taking place in college sports, I believe that we have collectively lost sight of the student athlete. We need to recalibrate our approach to ensure our filter for any decision is what is in their best interest. We are actively exploring expansion opportunities.
6: What gives you confidence that the 10 remaining schools are going to stay in this conference?
5: Yeah, we've had two board meetings a week for the last four weeks and uh looking my colleagues in the eye and understanding their commitment and that their first priority is making sure that the pac-12 survives and thrives and grows and is successful they're committed to the conference i've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the big 12 trying to destabilize our remaining conference with respect to the big 12 being open for business i appreciate that we haven't decided if we're going shopping there yet or not
0: Let's bring in our senior college football writer, Pete Thamel. Pete, the response to George Klyovkov's remarks there. Everybody getting the attention of his comment on the Big 12 saying, we haven't decided if we're going shopping there or not. How were those comments received? And what's really being said behind closed doors here in Los Angeles this week, Pete?
6: Joe, nothing spices up a media day like a little commissioner tiff. And that's what we have here (laughs) in Los Angeles. George Klyovkov firing back at Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark said uh, a few weeks ago at Big 12 Media Days the Big 12 is open for business, and George countered by cleverly saying today he wasn't quite sure if the Pac-12 wanted to go shop in the Big 12's aisles. Uh, it's uh, it's a fun back and forth. The reality is there's some uncertainty around both these conferences right now, and, and what's being talked about by the ADs that are in town here and the, and the other stakeholders is that the Pac-12 is really in a holding pattern and until the Big Ten contract is done in the upcoming weeks, from then everyone's going to know how much money by the big cable companies that are tied to the Big Ten deal, are, how much is how much is calibrated, and then there's going to be a recalibration, Joe, to who's up next. And up next is the Pac-12, and when the Pac-12's financial reality comes, because their deal's up in two years, then we'll really have a lay of the land. Uh, who's interested in the Pac-12, and then the ripple obviously goes to the Big 12 from there.
0: You know, it's interesting because that helps people at least with timing and understanding and having some clarity as to when folks in the Pac 12 will understand the future of this conference. Pete Thamel with the latest from Pac 12 Media Day. Thank you very much. Coming up, we are going to visit with the coaches, including Lincoln Riley at USC, Dan Lanning, the new head coach at Ergorin, and the champ, Kyle Whittingham. For now, Rod, let's get right to it because the commission comes out there and he throws a lead right hand right at the Big 12 with that comment. What'd you make of it?
2: Well, he has good reason to be concerned. We've not seen anything like this in college football. Remember last year when Oklahoma and Texas left? There was never the thought that maybe the Big 12 wouldn't continue to exist. We have that thought here with the Pac-12. There is uncertainty and there is distrust. The uncertainty is because... You don't know what kind of a TV deal they will get, and they need that to have everyone hang together. If they don't get that, well, the Big Ten has made it clear they're still looking. The Big 12 has made their comments. So whether they will stick together or not is that linchpin of TV, and there's so much distrust out there. You can hear it. They talk about looking people in the eye. It didn't work before, and we've been here for two days, and you can feel the anxiety when we're around folks. It's, It's not the warm fuzzies that we've been getting for for years coming to this thing.
7: And there's still uncertainty around the Pac-12, even after this media day that we're at right now. You talk about, as you mentioned, looking someone in the eye. Well, I'm sure that USC and UCLA a few months ago were looking George Kleofkoff in the eye, saying they were going to stay, and now they're gone. I'm not sure the other 10 schools are so committed to stay in the Pac-12 if there is no longer a Pac-12 that will be in existence. Yeah, you
2: know, and he talked about expansion. Well, here's the thing with expansion. I don't think you wanna cut the pie up 12 ways or 14 ways if the money doesn't increase substantially. The existing 10 teams would say, I'm gonna get less if we bring in. So
7: who out there can we bring in that will grow the pie so there'll be more money and they'll be happy. But I will say this, we're forgetting the most important statement, which was the first statement yes. that George Klyovkov said. He said that it seems like in college athletics that, that the schools, the universities, yes. have forgotten about the students and the student athletes. And so that is a real thing. All of a sudden you hear rumors and whispers, you talk to coaches offline, they say, man, this is all about money. It's all about, as we say, chasing, chasing the, bag the bag or getting the bag. But the other issue is we've crossed a certain threshold that it seems yes. like there's no yeah. going back. There is no and going so, back. No matter how much you say it's no longer about student-athletes, well, it seems like schools are just saying, well, I get it, but I have to do what's best for me and my university. That's why USC for and For me, is self-interest
2: yep. and money. It is not about the college athlete anymore. It is about business. And we know about business. Business must grow. There is no doubt about that. But listen, that's the headline. But at the end of the day,
0: We're closing in on playing football. I mean, it's still a football season to play here, and this is a conference that, unlike some others, has balance, has intrigue. You don't necessarily know how things are gonna go. Look at some of the notable Pac-12 non-conference games that could shape the season. Oregon, Georgia, Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Dan Lanning returns. Of course, he won the National Championship as a defensive coordinator. We'll speak to him in a moment. Reigning Pac-12 champ Utah will open its season in the swamp against Florida. Last time the Utes faced an SEC team, 2009 Sugar Bowl when they beat Bama. Herb Edwards, Arizona State, going to go up against Mike Gundy and the Pokes. Both teams led the respective conferences in total defense last season. They were top 15 nationally. And Washington is going to host Michigan State. And former Pac-12 head coach Mel Tucker, of course, Huskies looking to bounce back after their first losing season since 2009. Uh, games that intrigue you guys?
2: I'm really interested in the Florida-Utah opener. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, I, I think that Utah is in the middle of their window. They have a great team coming back. They've played well the last couple of seasons. But the thing about Utah is they've been a slow starting team. If you look back the last four years, They've had like a two and two, two and three start, you know, overall six and eight in the last four years. And you can't start that way if you want to be in the college football playoff. They have a team now where they're different than the old Utah. Utah used to be about defense. With Cam Risen and Tavian Thompson Thomas on, on offense, this is an explosive offense. They've changed their approach. They're good enough to make a run through the Pac 12, and they have a shot, but they got to beat Florida in game one.
7: Well Rod you're talking about the beginning of the season game one. I'll talk about the end of the season. Notre Dame at USC. We don't know who USC is. Right now, there's 20 new transfers. There's 47 new players if you include freshmen. We don't know who they are, but by November 26, when Notre Dame shows up at the Coliseum, we will know exactly who USC is. And if USC wins, like some expect them to, with Caleb Williams on offense and Jordan Addison, the Blenikoff winner, if USC can find a way to win, that game on November 26th, Thanksgiving weekend, will matter. There's no longer divisions in the Pac-12. And so that could be a game that could decide if, Notre- if USC is in the Pac-12 championship, or not if alex grinch's defense improves
2: he's yeah, all in course, on usc right now season. he's We're all in that
0: conversation with the head coach when we come back from norman oklahoma to hollywood to la sunsets and a whole lot of recruiting stars being gathered for usc's new main man lincoln riley the man with the trojan plan will be with us in just a moment plus rod and sam their pac-12 predictions How many games will Oregon win? Is Utah a playoff team? The over-under win totals for key players out west when we return. day continues on USC. They haven't won the Pac-12 since 2017. Enter Lincoln Riley signed on after winning 55 games in five seasons as head coach of the Sooners. Of course, former Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams followed his head coach out West here. That's after posting the fourth highest QBR in the FBS last season, higher than any USC quarterback in the history of the metric. And finally, the Trojans are seeking their first college football playoff appearance. And they currently boast the fifth shortest odds to win their first championship in 18 years. Hey, let's look at their schedule. Always good to dig into the schedule. And they open up against Rice. Kick off Pac-12 play with Stanford right after that. But folks, circle October 15th. That's when they head to Utah. That's a huge game in this conference. Trojans close out the regular season with UCLA and Notre Dame. And now we are thrilled to have Lincoln Riley right here with us. The new head coach of the USC Trojans after five years at Oklahoma, four big 12 titles, three college football playoff appearances. And now this challenge, you go from one blue blood program to another, but this is far different circumstances from when you were handed the keys at Oklahoma. This is a team that went four and eight last year. Um, In what ways do you look at the early formula for success and say, okay, I know what it should be here in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I think you, I think, one, you draw back on the experiences that we've had as a staff. You know, we've had a chance, as you said, to to have a pretty successful run at our previous stop. And so you know what championship football looks like. And then I think also you rely on uh, some of the people that have been at USC when it's been at its very best. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, this was the premier college football program in the country. And we, we, we absolutely believe that it can be again. And so we've had a chance to. Connect with so many of the the former players former coaches that were instrumental in making USC a dominant program And it's been great to kind of get their insight into what it takes here And we feel like that combination is going to be outstanding
7: coach We got a chance to talk with Caleb Williams obviously the star quarterback and he was talking about he's excited about USC But it was hard to leave Oklahoma as a player. It's difficult. How hard it is. Is it as a coach? to leave a place you've been at for so long and relationships you've been able to develop.
1: Oh, it, it, absolutely it is. I mean, it's seven years of your life, you know, and it's, it's so many great memories and lifelong friends and, and a time that we wouldn't trade. Uh, but things happen, you know, life evolves, different opportunities come up, and this is uh, one that we're very, very excited about, I think all of us being here at USC.
2: Well, clearly your success at Oklahoma has really sent the expectations through the roof. We have FOLKS PREDICTING USC AS, YOU KNOW, POSSIBLY A CONFERENCE CHAMP, MAYBE IN THE COLLEGE FOOTBALL PLAYOFF. YOU'VE GOT 20 NEW TRANSFERS IN. YOU'RE IN A NEW PLACE, A NEW CONFERENCE. WHAT'S REASONABLE AND, and WHAT WOULD BE A SUCCESSFUL SEASON IN YOUR FIRST YEAR IN THIS NEW CONFERENCE WITH A BRAND-NEW TEAM? LIKE
1: YOU SAID, there is, THERE IS SO MUCH NEW RIGHT NOW. I MEAN, IT IS. IT'S A NEW, new CONFERENCE, NEW VENUES. YOU'RE PLAYING AGAINST DIFFERENT PEOPLE. Uh, I THINK FOR US, it's WE'VE STARTED TO GET AN IDEA OF WHAT THIS what our roster is and what this team can be. And we're always trying to fight to get to the very best uh, that we're capable of right now. And, and I think this team has a lot of capabilities. I do. So I've never wanted to put a cap on it. And, and re- listen, regardless of what players we brought in, you come to coach at a place like USC, you, you come with the expectation to win and to win championships. And that, that's not, even if the transfer portal wasn't in existence, I think we would all still have the same mentality. You, you just, you don't come to LA and to USC to play small. And uh, we're not about to start. They just put that graphic up there showing
0: all the new additions. It's like an all-star team that's been brought in, especially offensively. I know you're excited for that. That alone would be one of the big headlines. But, of course, what has happened in recent weeks is overtaking Pac-12 media days. Uh, Unique circumstances. You come to your first Pac-12 media day, and it's with the knowledge that USC will have two years remaining in this conference before heading off to the Big Ten. Lincoln, I'm curious, within the program, within the building, out on the recruiting trail, how much is there now the constant buzz about that?
1: There is on the recruiting trail uh, because obviously you're recruiting players that are going to play in the Big Ten Conference, and that's exciting for those players. Past that, we honestly have not talked about it really at all. I mean, the majority of our current football team won't play a snap in the Big Ten. And, And so we've got such a a great opportunity but also so much work at hand right now that that's been that's been our focus i I get it's it's a big move it's a big deal you understand all the national attention behind it but our focus right now is on the opportunity to play in the pac-12 the next two
7: years coach we all know about your offense how prolific it is and has been uh defensively the last few years oklahoma your former school has struggled well defensively last year usc struggled Uh, Alex Grinch is now the defensive coordinator with you here. Sean Nua came from Michigan. What are your expectations defensively? We know about the offense, the additions, but defensively, what are the expectations for your team?
1: Yeah. No, they're very high. Yeah. And I I would, you know, we had some tough, some tough years defensively. My early years, my last years, we were pretty good defensively at Oklahoma and Alex and our staff did a a phenomenal job coming in there and really changing that almost instantly uh, into a really a tremendous group. And uh, yeah, when you come to USC, you feel like you can bring just about anybody that you want with you or at least have an opportunity to and to be able to add Alex Grinch to our staff. Be able to bring Sean over from Michigan where he did obviously a tremendous job developing that defensive line last year and all of other defensive coaches is a huge part of it. And again, look back at the history of USC when they were great. Sure, they had, you know, Matt was throwing it all over the place and Reggie was doing what only Reggie could do. But defensively, I mean, you talk about an elite defense, an extremely physical defense, and that's what we want to
2: be back to. I want to go back to the Big Ten move for just a second because, I mean, you've already addressed this a little bit. But recruiting is one thing. It's another thing with players. Um, You know, you don't control what's going to happen out there. But all this noise and all this talk about this, and you've got 18 to 22-year-olds, you have social media. How do you address this with the players about all that stuff is two years later, it might not impact you, but they will be constantly getting bombarded by friends and family about it. Have you addressed it with them or will you or what's your approach to it?
1: We have. We've had the conversation, Uh, but I think for us right now, in terms of uh, potential distraction, add it to the list. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is LA. This is USC. There's a lot of attention on our football program right now. There's a great opportunity, but our ability to block out anything that's not going to help us be successful right now is going to be critically important and not just anything about conferences. There's so many other things out there. And so, uh, we've tried to do a good job of that, and, and fortunately for us, we have uh, some strong leadership, and we've got a coaching staff that's been through a lot of this. Coach, Caleb Williams
0: had some wow moments last year. I mean, there were some jaw-dropping, eyes open, this guy is clearly going to be the next-level star in college football. How is he a better quarterback right now, coming out of spring, getting ready to go into summer? How has he developed, more so than the guy we, start, we saw with seven starts at Oklahoma?
1: I would say fundamentally, he's really improved a lot, uh, which I think will make a big difference for him, especially in the throwing game. And then, and then, the, I think the biggest to me is you're learning to be a better all-around quarterback. You're understanding game situations. You're understanding how to manage different situations. You're understanding how to lead your guys when different moments come up. And so, his maturity, I think, has has really taken some great steps. And and th- that's part of it as a quarterback. You're as a freshman. Caleb's done some really good things. There's been guys throughout college football history that have had really strong freshman seasons, but you're going to only get better if you put the work in and you take advantage of the, the reps and the experience that you have, and he's uh, he's doing that, and I think you'll see a much better player this fall.
0: Lincoln, always great to visit with you. What a nice conversation. I'll tell you, Southern California, you take to it well. You seem so happy. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not hard. Relaxed and just ready for it all. <laughs> Let's you a big do it. Smile on your face. Look at you, Coach Riley. Um, From one new coach in the Pac-12 to another. Dan Lanning earned himself a national title ring at Georgia. Now he's got the Ducks believing he can make some more magic. We're going to ask Oregon's new coach all about it when we return. So the Dan Lanning era begins in Oregon. Of course, Mario Cristobal left the Ducks He's the head coach at Miami. Now Lanning comes over Was Georgia's defensive coordinator. Three seasons there got a national title. Now he's wearing that camouflage and that duck on his shirt up there in Eugene. New face at quarterback Bo Nix comes over from Auburn going to reunite with Kenny Dillingham, his former OC, coached him back in 2019. And on defense changes, Noel Sewell is back, great linebacker. Kuiper's got him as the top-rated inside linebacker in the 23 NFL Draft. And this is the schedule. And look no further than September 3rd, right? Because he's going to be reunited with his Georgia team in Atlanta, the season opener. What a game that is. And then they kick off Pac-12 play on the road. Washington State, UCLA, Washington, Utah, All at home. And great to visit with Dan Lanning, the new head coach at Oregon. And Dan, first and foremost, on behalf of everybody on our crew, we want to express our condolences of the recent tragic loss of your tight end. Spencer Webb, it was a story that just uh, hit us all so hard. And I'm curious, how do you now approach leading young men when they've been dealing with shock and grief?
3: Yeah, so... So tough, I think that's something as a head coach, you hope nobody ever experiences. And we miss Spencer, we miss him every day. And you know, the very next day, we were able to get together as a, as a team. And uh, some of our teammates were able to just get up and share, you know, Spencer, was a, he was a conduit to our program. He was all about connection. He's maybe the first person each person meets as they come to that building. And for us now, we wanna, we wanna have a season and uh, you know, lead in a way that we can honor him. You know, we, we still have that seat sitting in our, our team meeting room that's empty. It's his. His locker is going to be there the remainder of the year. Um, when we finish our, our summer workouts, we climb Spencer's Butte, and that was a nice special feet. tribute to him. Yeah. It'll be something we do every single summer from now on in our program as long as I'm the head coach here. So um, I, I credit our players, you know, for handling a really, really tough situation in a dynamic way. Um, we're truly a family. I think that that's really resonated in this moment.
7: Coach, you know a lot about adversity, right? You talked about Spencer, but also about seven, eight years ago, your wife was diagnosed with cancer, and she's been cancer-free for the last five or so years. But tell me about how your priorities changed uh, during that time.
3: You know, early in this profession, there's a lot of things that you do really selfishly to advance. And I think every decision I probably made up to that point, I got three boys, Um, to becoming a coach at Memphis, I, I was ambitious. I wanted to move up um is super progressive and when when my wife was diagnosed with cancer all my goals changed yeah. and it really became about my three boys and my wife and what i realized in that moment is i can have unmeasured success when i really put my family first and focus on them first so you know since that moment the opportunity to become a head coach at Oregon to win a national championship to see players go on to the NFL i think all those things have happened but the thing i may be most proud of is being a father and being a, a husband
2: You know, uh,
3: Utah went through an awful lot last season,
2: and I remember Kyle Whittingham telling me that. It really helped his team and himself focus on the presence, and there's nothing like football to get you focused on presence every single day. You guys have that opening the season. You've got Georgia right out the bat. What does that game mean and do for your team? coming With everything you've been through, having Georgia your opening game, what does that mean?
3: Yeah, it's just it, – I have so much respect for that program. You know, Kirby Smart was obviously a, a great mentor and friend to me. Um, somebody I probably got to wait till week two to call. To get <laughs> but, uh, neutral site gaming out uh, Atlanta. So, that'll be – it'll be a lot of fun. Neutral but I, site
2: with air neutral. quotes. Yeah. Ne- neutral. You no. called it neutral when you were no. there. It's not yeah, neutral, it's not neutral not now.
3: Neutral <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so excited to play that team. You know, I've got, I've got great admiration and respect. Obviously I obviously have intimate knowledge of that team, just like they have intimate knowledge of me. But we're going to adapt. I think it's a great challenge for our for our players early on. We're excited to go to that venue and be, you know, probably the premier game in college football that day.
2: Let let me ask you this. You know, uh, you're new. You brought in a new quarterback in Bo Nix. You've got a couple of talented freshmen who are highly recruited quarterback. You'll be opening at Georgia. Bo Nix is familiar with them. What's going to happen at your quarterback spot?
3: Yeah, you know, we're going to continue to compete. I'm so excited to be in a situation where you feel like you have quarterbacks that can win. Mm-hmm. Right. And Bo is a phenomenal um, leader. He's a great acronym to the game. Um, but Bo, Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield are going to continue to compete through the fall. And, uh, you know, when we make that decision, it might not be something we announce to everybody else because I don't know if that's a benefit to us, yeah. but excited to know that we have guys on our roster that we can win with uh, and that certainly have experience
7: coach you're known as a, an elite recruiter right last year the, your Georgia defense had five guys go first round but even guys who are still on the Georgia team guys like Nolan Smith you were heavily involved in recruiting what I'm not going to say what is the pitch because obviously there's no pitch but what is it about you that has players want to go and play for you whether you're at Georgia Memphis Oregon what is it what is it
3: yeah I think just ultimately real recognizes real and you yeah. said it it's not a pitch you know um, you know I'm, I'm I enjoy relationships. When I hired coaches, I focused on two things, relationships and development. And if you have real relationships, it's not a game, it's not pretend, it's not recruiting, uh, it's reality. And that's kind of the world we live in. The guys that I coached, whether it be Georgia, Memphis, Sam Houston State, Arizona State, I'm still in touch with those guys, and that's one of my favorite, you know, pieces of this profession.
0: Dan, that's such a good look right there. i was just looking at you out there in spring with the camo look, with <laughs> yeah. the like, like duck.
3: Like the,
0: the Oregon swag is something now, ain't it? We
3: got gear. We got, we got gear. Now. We got great swag.
0: And, and you know that coming in, you know the brand. But anytime you take a new job, there are some realizations after you've been there for half a year. Things that you didn't quite know then that you know now. What have you realized about being the head coach at Oregon so far?
3: You know, ultimately, your time is not always your time, right? It's distributed a little bit different, and you have to make sure you, you uh, do a great job of organizing that. But I think the biggest thing for me is just how in awe and impressed I've been really with uh, the scenery and the atmosphere and the place so place that you want to raise your kids. You know, Eugene is really, really special. They've got a phenomenal fan base. But it's, there's, it's refreshing to walk out of your office and be right there on the McKenzie or the Willamette in a couple minutes in a walk, you know, and that's that's enjoyable for me coach
7: uh, last one on the field you've got some studs guys like Justin Flo and Noah Sewell you had some studs at your old place what do you expect from those two specifically in your defense
3: Yeah, ultimately I don't think anyone has higher expectations for our players than myself and, and them Yeah. Um, they those are guys that I actually recruited while I was at Georgia so I'm excited to see what they do you know there's some other guys in that room too that I think can impact uh, us on a high level as well but they certainly have the talent I think we have some of the best, you know, linebackers in the nation in that room. And I'm ready to see them go compete and, and show that firsthand.
0: Dan, what a ride it's been, my man, huh? You reflect on it all from high school coach, phys ed teacher, to <laughs> de- uh,
3: GA, defensive
0: coordinator. You win a title, head coach at Oregon at your age. Great to visit with you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks Love you so having much. you here. Hey, this special long Pac-12 edition of College Football Live rolls on. And the most veteran coach of them all is going to join us. Utah's Kyle Whittingham, when we return. Pac-12 Football Media Day from LA Live continues on, and Utah's coming off winning its first Pac-12 title, currently the favorite to do it again, to become champs of the Conference of Champions again. Cameron Rising returns as the quarterback for the Utes. Started all 11 games last season, finished with an 84.2 QBR, sixth best mark of any FBS quarterback. And you know who they kick off against? Florida. We told you how rare it is that they play an SEC team. January 2nd, 2009, beat Bama in the Sugar Bowl. So there's the tough opener. Such a big swing game for both programs. Utah at Florida, but look at the full schedule after that Southern Utah, San Diego state pac 12 action begins against Arizona state. They face UCLA and USC and back-to-back weeks in November and that huge game November 19th at Oregon. And the champ is here. Kyle Whittingham head coach <laughs> of the defending pac 12 champions, which I know you're going to tell me, Hey, that's in the rear view mirror, <laughs> but there's this great axiom in boxing that when you've become a champion, when you hold the belt, you're automatically 25 percent better <laughs> I mean just the confidence boost, just the way you carry yourself do you sense in the building among the players that the program is at a different level right now than when you left off that that surge is there
4: I think, I think we're still feeling some of the residual effect of last season and and uh, you know by all indications of the how the summer workouts have gone, the team is really Focused and bought into, you know, what we're doing and and excited about the upcoming season
7: coach week one, September 3rd at Florida. Right. It's a huge game. Last year started off a little bit slow. How do you get your
4: team ready early? For Yeah, well, we definitely got to hit the ground running and and be ready to go from the get. But uh, our guys, this game has got their attention way back in January. It's got their attention. And so uh, we've been looking towards it. We've been watching film. And, of course, you know, new coaching staff at Florida, so there's some challenges there. But, but uh, our guys are excited about the opportunity, and uh, we got to be ready to bring our A game because it's going be to be a battle.
2: This is, this is a different Utah team. This is a different time for Utah. Mm-hmm. You spent a couple years knocking on the door, mm-hmm. trying to get through, get to the Rose Bowl. And in my view, this is a team that's loaded coming back, But I want to talk about the change in the coaching I saw in you last year with this team. It seems to me that you were more into or had more confidence in your offense. I saw you do things like, you know, put your offense on the field first when Mm -hmm. you won the toss. I saw you do things like crossing the 50, take more chances on fourth down, things where you were much more defensive oriented before. Now, why the change? Is that a product of Cam Rising? Or other things on the offense, what changed for you to have that kind of confidence? Well,
4: I think it starts with Cam, and and the confidence that we had in him as the season wore on, he just kept making play after play after play, and and uh, he obviously had a good supporting cast. We had a strong run game with Tavion Thomas, heading, you know, leading the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, two really good tight ends, Britt Covey, you know, obviously a big playmaker, and so so the offense really started to come into its own about midseason, and uh, just really uh, started leaning on them I guess you can say and because we were very young on defense last year very inexperienced but but uh, as that season wore on the offense became more and more efficient and and just uh, had more confidence in them more uh, willing to take I don't want to call them risks, but calculated gambles there
7: coach going back to cam what is it about him that you think makes him so unique
4: I would say it's the it factor you know he's got all the physical ability he can throw the ball uh, you know exceptionally well he's he can make plays with his legs but but it's his leadership qualities. He's the leader of our leaders on the team. He's the alpha dog. He's the guy that everybody looks to. He sets the standard, uh, demands that everybody live up to that standard, and that's what you want in the leader, and that's what you want in particular in your quarterback.
2: Yeah, it's not just Cam Rising, though. I mean, you've talked about, you know, the fact that you guys had a, a strong running game, mm-hmm. but you've got some tight ends that are really special, yeah. and it allows you to you know, play three at a time and put pressure on the defense mm-hmm. or to spread them out And and use them. Keithy stands out to me as just one of the top players in the conference. What is it about that group that just gives you that sense that this may be the best offense that Utah's had?
4: Yeah. Well, first of all, Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid are the two headliners there at tight end. They're the ones coming back that uh, gave us so much production last year. Uh, Brant is more of a hybrid. He's not a true tight end. You're going to find him lining up everywhere, wide Mm -hmm. receiver, uh, you know, in the backfield. He's going to be in a multitude of different positions. Dalton Kincaid is a more traditional. Uh, In-line tight end and mm-hmm. a uh, guy that that uh, is you know more of a uh, what you you know would expect a, a, the tight end position to to do as far as uh, his role in the offense. But but between the two of them and then we have two or three more that are in the mix. We run a lot of 12 and 13 and even some 14 personnel, which is tough for defenses to match up with. I mean, not many teams in the country go to those personnel groups, and so that gives us that advantage.
0: Kyle, well, you've seen it all through the years. You have the most experience of any head coach we're visiting with here at Pac-12 <laughs> Media yeah. Day. Uh, but I don't know if any of us could have seen what came its way with conference realignment, especially the most recent cycle. Now, nobody has the answers that's sitting here at LA Live today. We don't know <laughs> the future, even what's going to happen next week. Right. But how do you go about, when it comes to recruits, when it goes to players or within your program, how do you go about answering the questions that you may not have the answers to when everybody looks to you as the ultimate leader?
4: Yeah, well, first of all, when the announcement came that uh, USC and UCLA were making the move, we had a team meeting the next day and and uh, explained to the team, hey, th- you know, this doesn't affect anything of what we're working for. This season's all we got in front of us, all that is uh, is on our mind. That's our entire focus, and and for the next two years, unless something else happens, you know, we're we're uh, going to be in the you know the Pac-12 as it is today, and so don't let it be a distraction. Uh, you know control the controllables don't worry about what you what you have no control over and so I think our guys uh, really didn't flinch when that happened and, and uh, you know it was a bombshell so to speak but but I think there's gonna be a lot more bombshells coming down, okay. uh, down the pike and so you better be ready for them
2: let me ask you this um, this experienced team is this team capable of making a run for the college playoffs?
4: we'll see you know we got a we got 17 starters back from a pretty darn good team last year and and uh, starting with the quarterback you know cam rising like I said he's the catalyst and so if we can uh, have those things happen you know stay healthy get that team chemistry that you're looking for have the ball bounce our way a few times you never know we'll see
0: it's fall camp day one you've gathered the troops what's that message going to sound like
4: handle success be able to handle success you know it's and we've talked all off season about you know, staying on top is much more difficult than getting to the top. And we've got to be able to handle the success we've had and continue to build on that.
0: Can't wait for that opener against Florida. Yeah. It's going to be a thriller. Yeah, and Always well, great to visit
4: with you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me.
0: It's over undertime when we return. We're going to put Rod and Sam to the test. UCLA, they say eight and a half wins. Oregon nine. Stanford only four and a half. Our guys will tell you what they think. Don't go anywhere. LA Live for Pac-12 Football Media Day. So much attention on USC and the influx of offensive talent. Super transfer quarterback Caleb Williams came over from Oklahoma, and he was able to lure in some friends like Jordan Addison and
7: Mario Williams to catch the ball. Sam caught up with him. You are a a great. Salesman, if, if you will. Yeah, a lot of people want to follow you. A lot of you are a great leader. What's the What was the pitch to Jordan? What was the pitch to, to Mario? Like, what, what are you telling these guys to come and follow you? I don't
8: really tell them anything. I tell them the truth. And I just build a great friendship, my brotherhood, because um, that goes farther than anything else. Um, I tell them my dreams and aspirations of what I want to do, and it, it normally works. What are some of those? Winning is probably my main goal, um, especially here, getting everything back on track to how everybody remembers USC. What's something that people don't know about you? When I'm in between the 53, it's time to kill, time to hunt. That's how I tell my guys um, on my team. It's, it's it's time to go, it's time to hunt. Even when we go against them on practice days, like I don't I don't back down. It's a lot. I talk a lot of trash. Um, I get in their faces, um, kind of how Kobe did with you know with his team. I kind of do that, just kind of you know building toughness, kind of kind of testing the characters of of my teammates and um, building from there.
0: He's got a great great personality. Real dynamic force would be interesting what he does on the field this year. Speaking of what USC does on the field this year, it is time, are you ready, gentlemen, for the over-under's win totals, thanks to our friends from Caesars Sportsbook.
2: And for USC Rod, the over-under is nine wins. What say you? We are setting the bar way too high for a team with 47 new players and a defense that was not good last year. I got to see better defensive line play and more depth there. I say under
7: under nine. what do you got, Sam? I'm going under as well. Like Stanford, UCLA, Utah, teams that like to run the ball against a defense that hasn't been able to defend the run. Those games, I feel like are losses and at the end of the season. Notre Dame, though it's not a conference game, it's a big game towards the end of the season. And so those are the games that I think USC will not be able to
0: Under play. says both nine wins. All right, Oregon now Oregon obviously new coaching staff still some good core talent to transfer quarterback with Bo Nix
2: over under for Oregon the Ducks nine wins Rod this is the most talented team in the conference this will be one of the top 10 defenses in the country they are loaded over there if they get the quarterback spot resolved with Bo Nix or maybe it's Jay Butterfield or Ty Thompson I don't know I'm going to believe it happens I'm going over I see a 10 win team
7: I'm going 10 as well. I'm going over as well. I see a 10-win team as well. The games that I get scared about, I get scared of Utah, like that Utah game. That that one intimidates me a bit. That's one game. Another game, Stanford as well. Once again, I think Oregon is extremely talented. They want payback from last year. They want payback. Yeah. They want payback. So those are my two.
0: Speaking of Utah, the defending champs, they bring back a lot of talent. Cam Rising at quarterback. They are also Caesars is setting the
2: over under win total at nine rod. Oh come on this team needs to get more respect than this. Yeah this is the best team in the conference. There are no holes with this team. It's going to be a really good defense. This is this offense is loaded. It's explosive. One of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Tavian Thomas may lead the conference in rushing. Yeah the real key to me is the opening week with Florida. They win that game. They will make a run for the college football playoff. They lose that game. They are still, in my view, the favorite to win the Pac-12, and I just don't see many holes on this team.
0: Well, I mean, if they win the Florida game, you almost feel like nine's in the bag, right? Yeah. If you, win, you go down there in a over. swamp and you win, I got nine feels really good. Sam, what do you say yeah, over
7: under there for Utah? I got them over as well. I'm not so sure about that Florida game. We all talked about it earlier. Utah has a tendency to start slow, and so that Florida game, it scares me if I'm Utah, right? Another couple games early in the season, you might slip up against a team that's not as good as you, a team like San Diego State. Early games, for whatever reason, Utah hasn't played well in recently. So I'm going over. I think they're going to make a run late, but I think they might have some slip-ups early.
0: Boy, we spent some good time with Chip Kelly last night. Out there in L.A. at the steakhouse, smiling, <laughs> feeling very good. He's got a lot of offensive talent returning, veteran leadership at quarterback, yeah. at running back. Jake Bobo comes over from Duke at receiver, who's a very talented guy. Eight and a half
2: for the boys of Westwood. I'm going over. I'm going over, you know, they play all the schools out of Alabama except the real Alabama. They should start the season about 5-0 and before they face Th- there's Utah. There's your September
0: 10th and September yeah. 7th. Yeah. They're going to be the JV champions <laughs> of the state of Alabama <laughs> by September 18th, Rob. Yeah,
2: 5-0 and going to face Utah. And I just don't see a scenario in which Dorian Thompson Robinson in his fifth year does not have this team in the mix. I I got him over eight and a half.
7: I got him over as well. You talk about the Utah game on October 8th. I'm concerned about that, but also October 22nd at Oregon. We talked about Oregon's talent. I think UCLA is going to be a sleeper team. Zach Charbonnet back in the backfield. Over, but those two games right in the middle. We talked about the first five. Those are They sent. do have to stop some people. They've struggled on defense. This is true. This is very true. Sleeper team, we're going to talk about sleeper
0: players when we return. The players to watch offensively and defensively in the Pac-12. Plus, Sam and Rod's final prediction. Who is going to win this wildly intriguing season out west? More coming your way from Pac-12 Football Media Day from LA Live. Don't go anywhere. Hey, come Saturday, it is NFL Live's Back Together Saturday. Coverage begins at 9 a.m. on ESPN, 1 p.m. on ABC. I was just with Laura Rutledge at SEC Media Days, where she's about to anchor like her 42nd consecutive hour of television after she gets through. It's unbelievable. So that's tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. Plenty of star power at quarterback in the Pac-12, of course, highlighted by the transfer Caleb Williams. Cam Rising, they were fourth and sixth in the FBS and QBR last year. Bo Nix comes over after valuable experience at Auburn. He's now at Oregon. Here's what Utah's Cam Rising said earlier today at Pac-12 Media Day.
1: You're always going to want to beat the the reigning champs, and, and that's just a part
7: of it, and, and like coach always says, it's harder to stay at the top than, than to get there, and, and we got to attack this thing just like we did last year, and because that, that championship is not ours, so just, just making sure we're putting our best foot forward each and every day.
1: Do you think with the strides that you guys have made as a program,
8: picked to win the Pac-12, do you feel like you guys still get the, the kind of national respect that comes with that? No, probably not, yeah. They, they, they don't really worry about us, it
1: seems like, but it is what it is, and we just got to keep putting our best foot forward, and just make
0: sure
8: we're playing some good ball.
0: That's a scary answer from a defending champ when they say that and they feel that hunger again. Let's get into other players, though, here. The offensive players to watch and maybe some guys under the radar here, Rod.
2: Yeah, you know, there's a great group of quarterbacks in the Pac 12 this year, but the guy who's the next NFL quarterback is Tanner McKee mm-hmm. out of Stanford. And we're talking about a guy who is six foot six, strong arm you know more athletic than you would expect at six foot six scouts love him he's only started seven eight games in his career if he's healthy all season you will see what we're talking about this guy can throw every ball he is a pro style quarterback but again more athletic than you think i think he could be the offensive player of the year he's got five other potential draft picks playing around him on that offense stanford's offense bounces back this year
7: Yeah, I get excited about another quarterback. He actually wasn't on our screen. Transfer from Incarnate Word, Cameron. Ward. So Cameron Ward last year, Incarnate Ward, I get it. It's not an FBF school, but he threw for four, nearly 4,700 yards and 47 touchdowns. And, and that was just in last season. The season before COVID shortened. So the 19 total games mm. last season than before, 71 touchdowns. You wonder why was he at Incarnate Ward? Well, in high school, his offense ran a wing T, so they didn't have That's a right. lot of yeah. throwing. But all of a sudden he went, he went crazy last season. Ole Miss was after him. He was one of the top Players in the transfer portal. And so for me, this Washington State quarterback is a guy we all need to keep our eye out for. It's
0: it. nice to see that Pop Warner's offensive legacy <laughs> continued on running the wing tee uh, for Mr. Ward there. By the way, sturdy looking guy at 6'3. Yeah,
2: 220. All right, yeah. defensive player to watch. You know, Utah's got a great defense, but the most outstanding players on defense are up north in Eugene. And I'm talking about Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. That's the best linebacking tandem in the Pac-12 and Sewell if you have not seen him play you're missing a treat because this guy is just a rocket he goes after the quarterback see ball get ball and Justin Flo before he got hurt last season one of the best linebackers in the country I expect him to be back this year and to be healthy Those two give Oregon a set of linebackers like no one else has in the conference.
7: Well, I'll talk about a corner like no one else has in the conference. It's Caillou Blue Kelly of Stanford. He's tall. He's long. He's athletic. And he's being coached by a man by the name of Dwayne Aquino, who's Mm. coached three Thorpe Warner winners, five finalists, and he's also coached 20 NFL players. And so for me. When you, if you want to, like, get excited about watching football, just watch 17. That's all you have to do. Watch how his eyes are dialed in on his receiver. Watch him last year against Drake London, who went eighth overall when he played at USC. Caillou Blue Kelly is a name that we all need to know. He's going to be a top draft pick this season because of his length, his athleticism, his speed, and the way he plays the ball. You can thank Daddy for a lot of those uh, <laughs> natural
2: talents he has. Brian Kelly.
7: Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so it comes down to this, the final prediction of who's going to win this conference, the Pac-12. Rod, you and I had a conversation earlier this week, as we are wont to do, in putting everything in order in college football, mm-hmm. maniacal in our ways like that. We do that. But we, we talked about tears, that it appears this conference has Two distinct tiers at the very very top. You believe Oregon and Utah I know to be in that top tier. You believe USC and UCLA
2: are just a couple below. Who ends up winning this conference? Look, I I think Oregon is the most talented team in the con- uh, conference. But this Utah team, I think Utah is in the middle of their window. Mm-hmm. You know, last year I think they won a little too early. Their defense was young. That defense has now grown up. The offense is there. I think Utah is the
7: best team in this conference. I would bet my house on Utah winning the Pac-12. I would bet my apartment on I'm kidding. I, 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 I'll say this. I'm with Utah as well, I, mainly because of that. We heard, we heard from Coach Whittington. We understand they start slow. You said yesterday they're somewhat of a developmental team. They, they, they take players to help them grow, but they are ready for September 3rd in the swamp. They are ready for that game. And if they win that game, I think they will go on a run. Boy, I am ready for football. I think
0: we're all ready for football. You come here to Pac-12 Media Day, and obviously conference realignment becomes the overwhelming story. If you missed it earlier, there's continuing coverage on ESPN.com. George Klayovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, opened up the day with many statements, but mostly pointing at the Big 12 and saying, we haven't decided if we're going shopping there or not. He also responded saying, I've been spending four weeks watching hand grenades lobbed from every corner of the Big 12. That is the headline as we have enjoyed our time at Pac-12 Football Media Day. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Well done, gentlemen. Nice to be with you. Good to be with you, pal.